0: If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville. We record books in a booth. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Hartram. The summer is in full effect here. I'm glad you're listening to the talking book podcast which is a reading series maybe the greatest known to podcasting at least i think so what's new with us the summertime is here dave's car got stolen dave burr you know our audio engineer it was a 2015 ford fiesta black but we found it again the criminal stole it from uh from a hotel And, uh, I'm, we're pretty sure Dave left like a spare key in the glove box, which seems, you know, not, you know, the thing to do, but I think he forgot it was in there. And, uh, you know, we found it in the next town over, uh, the police department did. And Dave, Dave Burr, the audio engineer, he's been dishonored by this car thief, but the fiesta's fine. Dave's fine. Everybody's fine. It was fun. In retrospect, now it's funny. Um... It was destroyed. The inside, I mean, it was just messy. The interior's fine. It was just disgusting. There were uh, many empty drug baggies inside. Car thief, if you're listening to the Talking Book podcast right now, we forgive you. Dave forgives you. I forgive you. I mean, it's not even really my car. It used to be. I sold it to Dave, though, so I feel like, you know, there's. it was a slight against the entire Talking Book organization, really. Uh, but just don't steal um, our Ford Fiesta, the talking book Ford Fiesta again. Um, it's really all we have. Um, but anyway, uh, besides that, we're here today with a reading from Duncan Birmingham. His new book is called The Colt in My Garage, and it's forthcoming from Modeling House in August. Duncan was the writer uh, and executive producer for the show Marin, about Mark Marin. You remember that show? I love that show when it was on IFC. We watched all of them. I highly recommend uh, you watch it if you like Mark Maron. But Duncan is a uh, popular screenwriter, um, but this is his first book of short stories. And I'm super pumped to have his story, Revenge App, featured on the show today. And now here is Duncan Birmingham reading from The Colt in My Garage.
1: Hey! This is Duncan reading The Revenge App. The plan was to meet at a coffee shop on Miracle Mile. He arrived early and was surprised to find her already there and looking more or less like her photos. They exchanged an awkward smile and an even more awkward hug. Thank God she was the right height, more or less. They discussed their different travel routes to get to this coffee shop chosen because it was more or less midway between their residences and then assured each other that they never, ever, did things like this, i.e. used apps for dating. Nora saw Gordon wince at the term dating, and she regretted using it. Or whatever this is, she clarified. She explained dating wasn't something she'd been capable of lately either, but she was trying to normalize what they were doing, or at least planning to do. They had both been broken up about a year. After briefly swapping heartbreak stories and comparing emotional war wounds, Gordon suggested they get right down to it. As per the app's suggestion, he had brought personal effects of Annabelle's in the trunk of his Prius. He also had multiple pages of dialogue and scenarios he typed up in a safe file he now felt comfortable enough forwarding to her. Nora said she'd done the same and hoped her ex-fiancé Stevo's clothes fit him. As she spoke, Gordon held his phone close to her face to compare it with a screensaver photo of his ex, Annabelle. He was satisfied, more or less. It was a good fit, at least as good a fit as he was going to find in the greater Los Angeles area. Three days later, they met at Gordon's apartment downtown. Nora was dressed in the black spaghetti top and capri pants Gordon gave her in the coffee shop parking lot. She'd gotten a French manicure and done the smoky eye thing he'd had so much trouble articulating. He poured her a glass of rosé with three ice cubes, and she sat on the same corner of the futon Annabelle had. Nora knew her lines, too. She was good, and Gordon caught himself wondering if she had any acting experience. It all proceeded much like that night three months ago, except this time when Nora got to Annabelle's part about there really being nothing more for them to say instead of Gordon countering that there was a lot more to say and that this was coming out of nowhere and they both just needed to take a step back and talk this through when they weren't so run down and tired. And besides, he'd already bought their plane tickets to his cousin's wedding in Cabo. And why would she do this? Because he was so fucking crazy about her. Instead of barreling through all that in a quivering voice and palming away tears while watching his girlfriend walk out the door, Gordon instead shrugged coolly, ordered, ordered Nora slash Annabelle to remove her panties, and then had her right there on the futon. Gordon had warned Nora that post-ravaging, he would curtly ask her to leave his studio apartment, maybe even muttering something along the lines of, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out while he stretched out on his futon like a lion sunning itself after a big kill and clicked on the flat screen as a way to get closure. But instead, Gordon improvised, holding her tight as can be for hours, muttering I love you over and over into her blonde locks, smelling like the creme de coco he had instructed her to shampoo with. Nora had done such a stellar job as Annabelle that Gordon had the jitters for his debut as Stevo. He never had a nickname before and the form-fitting v-necks, gold-colored crucifix, and straw boaters cap that were Stevo's signature vibe made him uncomfortable. As planned, Nora was making patty melts for lunch when Gordon, as Stevo, stumbled through the front door of her Marvis Vista condo while spoiling his appetite with the last bite of a filet fish sandwich. Gordon proceeded to strut around as instructed Chewing nicotine gum and drinking cheap port out of a ceramic mug that read Bikini Inspector. The dialogue was challenging too off color jokes, lots of railing against rampant government spending and cursing the cat. Nora would widen her eyes at him to remind him to diphthongize his vowels like Stevo's northern Wisconsin patois. During their ensuing argument in the kitchen, Gordon broke it to Nora that this dog won't hunt anymore, by which he meant their eight-year relationship. But before Gordon could recite any more of Steve-O's folksy dialogue, Nora slapped the nicotine gum out of his port-stained mouth and kneed him in the groin. Already queasy from all the drinking and fried fish he was mildly allergic to, Gordon sunk to the peeling linoleum and sheltered his face from a storm of kicks, stomps, and spit. He swallowed a mouthful of vomit just before Nora dropped to her floor to tug his Zumba pants down and place them inside her. Driving home on the Santa Monica freeway later, Gordon rated his performance an eight and his lovemaking a five, which was fine because Nora said steve averaged a four. It gave him something to aim for. For the next two weeks, they crisscrossed the city, braving the traffic to visit each other's respective residences, role-playing their scenarios before plunging into spasms of intercourse that left them both spent, bruised, and in Gordon's case, hyperventilating and nauseated. Occasionally, like when Nora stubbed her toe or got her car towed or when Gordon's condom split, they broke character. But for the most part, they treated their dates with the utmost seriousness. You're the best Stevo since Stevo, Nora told him, helping him sponge off one afternoon. She confessed that despite what she said at their first meeting at the coffee shop, Gordon was not her first Stevo proxy. She had been on and off the app since she ended their engagement a year ago. One guy had the look, but he couldn't do the accent. One guy had the accent, but didn't drink enough. One guy humboked. When he came, and steve would never do that, she explained. Wow. And one guy, I think, was only pretending that he was heartbroken, and then I look like his ex, which is such a violation. She shook her head. It's like, get on a different app, asshole. That's shitty, and that's not the case here, Gordon assured her. Oh, I know, I know, she said. Since Annabelle left, there hasn't been a morning I haven't thought about dumping a bottle of painkillers in my cream of wheat. I have the bottle and everything. It expired, but I don't think that matters. Oh, I know. I know, honey, she repeated. Besides their first meeting, that was the longest conversation they'd ever had as themselves. So no one was more surprised than Gordon to find himself, whilst in casual conversation or on various chat boards, recommending with uncharacteristic enthusiasm the Revenge Fuck app. It could not obviously last, and that was the point. There's only so many times you can cross your eyes, look down at a stranger naked, except <clears throat> for your ex-girlfriend's discontinued rouge-noir lipstick and scream about how you were made for each other and you're never going to ever, ever let her go before it becomes something less than cathartic. Diminishing returns aside, Gordon had a proverbial, even literal spring this step, maybe due to steve pension for hip-hop-inspired Adidas high-tops. Gordon had adopted Stevo's outfits and habits outside his trysts with Nora and found his co-workers admiring his boater's hats and low-slung v-necks. He developed a taste for early morning slugs of port and a loyalty to the Wisconsin Badgers. It wasn't long before he even found himself preferring his days as Steve-O with Nora more than his days as Gordon with Nora as Annabelle. But it was so hard to tell. Baby, how come your tartar sauce is never zingy like in these filet of fishes Gordon threw open Nora's front door that afternoon like a beloved sitcom character, his lines down pat and his mastery of the accent worthy of Daniel Day-Lewis. It had been a month since that first awkward coffee, and he was beginning to think his fish allergy was cured. But instead of coming out of the kitchen with a plate of patty melts, Nora hopped up from the couch. Her hair was wild, her sundress half off. Before she could speak, a goateed man, Gordon's height, build, hair, color, and general complexion rose up behind her like a lazy shadow. What in the name of fuck? The accent was unmistakable. Gordon barely had time to take him in. Boater's hat and zebra print Zubas taut with erection before the real Stevo rushed him. Gordon quickly leaned, learned Stevo was in better shape than he could ever pretend to be. Dropping the last bite of his filet of fish Gordon was thrown against the wall, socked in the kisser, and this time when he sunk to the floor, no one was hopping on top of him to tug his pants down and put him inside them. Instead, Steve-O kicked him in the stomach with his high-top sneaker. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I want this joker out of here by the time I'm done pissing, he said. Gordon struggled to his feet, his nose bleeding into his mouth, Apologizing profusely, Nora thrust a tote bag of Annabelle's clothes at him and helped him to the door "'You poor thing, I'm so sorry,' she said "'Out of the blue, Steve-O came back this morning for his favorite beer koozie, and, well, we got to talking.'" "'Right.'" "'And then one thing led to another, which led to sex.'" "'I get it.'" "'You were a great Steve-O, heartfelt and convincing as hell, but of course, now that I have the real deal back, what do I need with...' She trailed off. "'Totally understood.'" Gordon just wanted to get the hell out of there. And who knows, maybe Annabelle will come back one of these days. To get her favorite koozie, he tried and failed not to sound bitter. I'll leave you a great review. She hugged him and closed the door and administered a long series of deadbolts. Gordon stood there for a moment, blinking and bleeding in the midday sun. He wiped his bloody nose with the barely-existent collar of his v-neck. The last time he had a bloody nose was on a roller coaster with Annabelle and her family in Buena Park. He was terrified, trying not to look like he wasn't, but his body betrayed him. In the surprise photo taken during the ride and available as a souvenir as you exit for a jacked-up price, Annabelle and her family screamed with glee while Gordon stared zombie-like. Blood escaping down his nose. Chuckling, her father had bought refrigerator magnet sized photos for the whole family. Annabelle had laughed too. Walking down the street looking for his Prius, Gordon realized he'd been too busy practicing dialects and drinking port to even check Annabelle's social media in the last two weeks. He hadn't fantasized about plowing his car through happy couples on the Santa Monica Pier once that day, maybe longer. He tasted the blood on his lips and smiled. As for the tote bag of her belongings, he tossed them over a chain link fence and into a scrubby lot, then broke into a run to avoid the temptation of retrieving them. Instead, he took out his phone and logged back onto the app, clutching the old boater's cap to his hat while he ran, lest his new accoutrement blow off.
0: That was Duncan Birmingham reading The Revenge App. Duncan Birmingham is a writer and a filmmaker in Los Angeles. He's been a writer and producer on numerous shows, including Marin with Mark Marin on IFC. His book of short stories, The Colt in My Garage, comes out in August from The Fine People at Modelin House in August. Look out for it. Thanks for listening to The Talking Book. Go and get the full-length audiobooks from authors like Scott McClanahan, L. Nash, Sam Pink, Brad Phillips, William Boyle, Anais Nin, Chelsea Martin, Bud Smith, Brian Allen Ellis, Alex Higley, uh, many more wonderful writers that you love. TheTalkingBook.org. You can find more episodes like this. You can write me. You can write us about the Ford Fiesta. Coming out next is uh, Sleepovers by Ashley Bryan Phillips. Written and read for you by Ashley Brian Phillips. It sounds amazing. I kid you not. She was amazing in the studio, and uh, it's coming soon. I can't wait. But anyway, I hope you're all having a great summer. I hope nobody stole your Ford Fiesta. Look out for Duncan Birmingham's book. And, uh, yeah, see you next time. Love you. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy chasing sister squares i was lit before i Sleeping in the square